A fun chat today with a man that I truly respect and met him again at the Florida uh, Family Policy Council banquet. His name is Calvin Wimbish, a colonel, a Green Beret, a believer, a constitutionalist, a corporate leader, an educator, a man who loves this country and has uh, put that statement where really where his heart is, where his life is. A lot of people don't realize what it takes to become one of these special ops men like a Green Beret, but you went through what I can't even imagine, and uh, what an honor that had to be for you to get on the other side of all that hard work. It's not easy to get in, and it's definitely hard to stay in, and the trials and tribulations that I thought I had endured before then with the 82nd Airborne didn't even stand a, a, a chance with what I had to go through to become a Green Beret going through all the training, uh, the mental, emotional, physical mm-hmm. challenges, uh, realizing that you could go beyond what your body say you can't. It's mental. And just like I said, we all have the power to choose to go forth or not, give up, or give in, or stay in. And uh, I worked through it and got my certification as a Green Beret and uh, started to do all the things that I chose to do under a gentleman who's since passed, uh, General... Um, Emerson, Hank Emerson, the gunfighter was his nickname mm-hmm. in, in the Vietnam era. And uh, I was with the fifth group and, uh, which was then at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I bought me in and I was in the headquarters initially. Then he put me down at Charlie, uh, company first, uh, battalion. And, uh, so I was all set, ready to go and was going to go to halo school and, and, uh, had done all the things. He even made me his, his race relations and equal opportunity officer. Because a lot of Vietnam vets were coming back, Green Berets. We're used to being, uh, doing, always doing, moving, shooting, training, operating, going in and helping people. The oppressor libra, which is on our crest, which means to liberate the oppressed. They, we had uh, people coming back and forth from all over the world. But in the barracks or uh, in the garrison, it was difficult. We needed action. And so there was in-house concerns, you know, People started looking at each other differently than when there's one, one color in the military, at least in the army, was O.D. Green back in the day. But now, oh, you're black, or you're white, or you're this, or you're Jew. Or, mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff had to not occur within the special ops community. And uh, they sent me off to a, a course in race relations, equal opportunity, and I became the guy that people had to focus on, and I began to help doing that. And it was enjoyable to see the return on their investment in me and seeing people start to realize that beauty's only skin deep. Ugliness is to the bone. <laughs> That's a phrase I said uh, when yeah. I was in radio back in country music days. And uh, I, I I heard that someplace yeah, and yeah, used that one time exactly. and got a lot of laughs out of that one. That's a good one. Ugly goes all the way to the bone. It. But here's the yeah. piece that I added. It's not the color of your skin, but the content of your character because God created yeah. us in his image. Yeah, not in his color. And all of us in this room, in this group, got to look beyond that. And we said it enough times that it repetitively started to sink. And some of the divisiveness began to fade. And that was a good thing. Hmm. And uh, General Emerson uh, said, okay, young Green Beret, and the phone rang, and it was Department of the Army said, we got your orders to flight school, because I left college planning to be a green, uh, an mm-hmm. aviator. And that was delayed after Vietnam was starting to shut down. Three years later, um, they said, okay, we can, we can send you to flight school. I said, uh, okay. And I said, but um, I was also thinking about going to medical school. I had, been, had finished the MCAT, 
test and uh, had been accepted, was going to go home and live with mom and pop in Maryland, go to University of Maryland. And, uh, but the colonel on the phone says, well, Lieutenant, I don't have all day to talk to you. You've got 15 seconds. You want this orders or not? I said, and I heard him on the phone go five, four, three, two. Oh. Yes, sir. I'll take it. <laughs> so just I, like that. Just like that. Yeah. And I turned to the general later and says, general, I got orders to flight school. He said, you call him back and tell him, no, you're a green beret. You got to stay. I said, but don't you want the best of the best to fly the best of the best? I was the only way I could get him to say, you're trying to con me? I said, no, sir. I think that's going to be a good thing to have a green beret behind the controls when you have a helicopter pilot, which I was uh, planning to become, taking care of him. So mm-hmm. he says, you better finish in the top 2% or I'll be watching. Well, I went to flight school, finished in the top 4%, and I thought I was, uh, I was learning French. I was going to be a French linguist. Je parle français, monsieur. Je suis étudié dans la classe pour cinq ans. There's too many things about you, sir, that I just... <laughs> how do you do it? I don't, I don't know. I don't it just that. God just kept putting it. And they wound up sending me not to Europe, but to Korea. Mm. I said, that's not French. Well, at that time, General Emerson was a one-star when he, before I went to flight school. He got promoted to two, and he became the second infantry division commander. Mm-hmm. And when he went, he demanded a DA, Department of the Army, IG inspection to sweep the division. And he released several leaders in all capacities down to company commanders. Well, here's Lieutenant Wimbish, who got promoted to Captain Wimbish in Korea, getting ready to fly, and the sergeant major comes out and to the helicopter and stop. He says, shut it down, shut it down. He gives me the cross X, shut it down. Mm-hmm. Told the chief, you have the controls. Looked out the window. I said, what's the matter, sir? I don't know. You just got to see the old man. He wants to see you now. And I ran over to the uh, headquarters and the battalion commander says, I don't know who you know, but you've only been out of flight school seven months. You owe the government four years, and your orders have been changed to an infantry command. Get out of here. I said, no, they didn't. They said, yes, they did. And the general saw that he needed people like me who wore a tab, whether a Green Beret or Airborne Ranger, if you were a sniper, but you were a lieutenant above uh, and uh, E7 sergeant, first class and above. He was refurbishing in leadership within the division. Right. And he gave me the worst company. I remember standing in front of his aide. He says, what's the worst company we have in the division? And he looks in his book, says, A Company, 1st or 30th Infantry, Camp Hovey, send Wimbish there. I said, sir, you can't do that. I'm an aviator. He says, I'm a two-star. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> and the rest is history. I went there, took the worst company, made it one of the better companies. Uh, he tried to get me to extend for a little bit longer, but it was time to go back to the U.S. Uh, from Korea and didn't think I was going to see him again, which we eventually wound up seeing each other later. But all of those occurrences brought me through the wickets of life to say you can do when you uh, believe that you can and people often find a way to get you in the area that you didn't have because God is preparing you for something you can't handle right now. Mm-hmm. And I was an astronaut candidate in 1978. My paperwork got lost in the mill mysteriously. The same time as a fellow fraternity brother, I'm a, an Omega, uh, the Q's like Shaq, and uh, Ron McNair oh, was yes. from North Carolina. Yeah, Challenger A&T. guy. He blew up in the Challenger. Mm-hmm, right. My mother said, it wasn't your time. Isn't that something? But I could have been was, you. It could have been me. Yeah. But I kept, God, this is unfair. I want to be an astronaut. I was the best pilot there was. And, and it wasn't my time. I got frustrated. Went to, I left active duty initially at that point. I joined uh, corporate America, began a, a logistics management and uh, traffic, in a, a, what they call traffic control for the warehouse shipping and receiving. Went with a major Fortune 100 company, got promoted, moved uh, from 
California to Texas and got promoted again. And all kind of, I got back in the guard and reserves because I missed flying so bad that my wife says, you're no good to me around the house. Go join the guard or reserve, but get out of here. So I worked my corporate job, raising a family, went to college to get my second, my first master's degree in information systems, computer technology, and uh, continued to elevate and learn what it was to take my transferable skills that you learn over time. You you can't just acquire it. You know, experience has to be, uh, wisdom comes with experience. Mm -hmm, Right. And you just can't teach it at a young age. You have to learn it as you go. So you have to go through the trials and tribulations. You got to be a doer. You got to be a doer. And that took me through all the steps that I needed to go from that to uh, stay in aviation, then went to another unit. As I moved, my corporate job would move me, the military would move me, and I moved from uh, from Washington State to back to Texas, although I had already lived in Alabama and Georgia, and then I went from there to New Jersey, New Jersey to Indiana, Indiana to Florida in 92. What part of Indiana? I lived in Carmel, Indiana, right outside of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I was there initially with... Uh, a target stores, not as the in the in the stores that you see, but I did the logistics management at a million square foot uh, facility that supplied 256 uh, locations from that one hub into five states. And Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals came to my facility, saw how we automated it, used computer technology. They invited me over to lunch, and next thing you know, they stole me away from the wow to do their management with Lilly, and that's when I got fell in love with. Uh, Lily, uh, their diabetes research. Uh, you got relatives. A lot of blacks do have diabetes, and uh, that enabled me to see. Wow, maybe I ought to get into marketing and sales. And so I transitioned from information systems, computer technology, human resource management into sales and marketing. They said you have to go out to the field and carry the bag. I said okay. So I came down to Palm Bay and relieved a young lady who had a baby. She was going to be gone for six months just to try it out because I was going to get promoted inside and stay in human resource information systems and uh, to a director. But I saw the freedom and the wealth of knowledge that came with talking to physicians who are there to help and treat. And it kind of set well with me Mm -hmm. in terms of my Christian faith and belief that this is giving back the Hippocratic oath that doctors take, same as the sworn oath that I took to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And uh, code, Code of Conduct, uh, Article 6, never lie to you to steal or tolerate those who do. Those words resonated with me, and I said, mm-hmm. this is where I want to be. And I grew in that corporation until Merck Pharmaceuticals stole me from Lilly. <laughs> your your story is one headhunter after you after another. I write in a book. Uh, it's uh, still to be published. Most of it's still in my head. And But opportunities like this to allow people to know, I have to walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah. I don't understand half of what has happened and why. Well, that was one of the questions it. I have for you. Yes, sir. Uh, it's one thing to be where you are right now, and you look back at your life, examples like being given that difficult uh, command where the company was not doing well, mm. and and you obviously caused that company to turn around. And I'm hearing the same thing and just in your corporate career as well. Everywhere you go, it's like, that same thing happens. There's there's a turnaround, there's growth, there's prosperity. You don't get to stay there long because suddenly you're being shipped off to a new assignment yes. and it's almost like it starts all over again. Yeah. D- were you aware then during the process of what was happening to you that you're able now to look back and see more clearly or, or was 
was it just the task at hand? I was aware, but not as fully aware as I am today. Because every step of the way, when something changes, why me, Lord? Why now? And I prayed. I said, Lord, is this the right thing? Do I accept the promotion? Do I accept the uh, transition from one company to another? Do I uh, allow the uh, opportunity to take uh, and hold of people who are seem to be lost but needed to be like in the old uh, TV series Rawhide, mm-hmm. you know, where you ride the skirts of them and kind of herd them back down, like stay on mission, stay on focus. Um, having my mom who and dad who always said, you know, God is your center, no matter what distractions you may have, no matter which uh, way that they try to pull you left and right. If you come back to center in Christ, you can may not understand, but you can overachieve those barriers, those hurdles, those pitfalls that will try to pull you in. Like I learned on a farm when dad used to carry us down as kids and I was six through nine and 10 and they would all make us do learn the chores of the, of the field, get up in the morning at four o'clock during the summer. As soon as school ended in June, we were back and we were on our uncle's farm and stayed there all summer. And you get up, you get the mules out, you hook them up, you get the cows out. The girls go uh, milk the cows, and then they churn the the, the buttermilk. Mm-hmm. But aunt was auntie was uh, fixing the food, and the smell and aroma of the cured bacon and ham and, and breakfast never breakfast tasted never any t- better, buddy. Better. It was free, <laughs> but you worked all summer. And my dad said, if you don't want to be a fool, if you don't want to stay behind a mule, don't be a fool. Stay in school. And every year I kept thinking, I don't like being behind that mule. I didn't like to have to go pick the corn or tobacco in Danville, Virginia. And when the opportunity came, I got myself a paper route. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time I was 10, which I, they weren't supposed to take you till you were 11 and a half or 12, but I convinced the, the carrier gentleman that I, would, uh, be, I could do the job. So he hired me at 10. And when dad said, okay, kids, let's get in the car and let's go on down. I said, no, pop, I, I, got, I got responsibilities now. She better get in the car, boy. I said, no, sir, I got a paper route. I've got 125 customers that depend on me. Oh, so you got decided you want to, did not want to be behind that mule. Yes, sir. And that bounced me forward in terms of being accountable, responsible, put together a plan, have an action plan that works. Don't look at just today, but what about tomorrow and, mm-hmm. and the next day? That's awesome. Which converts to looking out for the generations and, the, and your children's children, their children, children's generation. So it, it, kept, it kept ringing in my soul. And so, yes, I, there were times I said, I don't know why this is happening, but okay, Lord, if this is what my mind and you in my mind Mm -hmm. said, I need to do, I will follow. Mm. And I took up the banner and, uh, though it was frustrating to move my family 14 times. And I've been married to my lovely wife, Susie, uh, for 46 years now. And when we got married, uh, there was, we, we've had many of the issues that are rising up again with racist and this and that. She's Oriental, she's um, a mixed Korean and German and, and Hawaiian. And of course, my family's got a mixture of everything in the bloodline. But at the end of the day, um, I like saying my kids are combo kids. You know? <laughs> we're a combination of God and we're creating his image. That's and, right. Uh, we had to walk through a lot of the hurdles, uh, the ugliness of people looking at us oddly. But I said, you're with me and I'm with you. You know, you have to keep the faith that we can see through. And God has kept us uh, together. It hasn't been easy, but uh, we're strong in our faith and we're going to move forward. So I'm looking forward to the next 46 mm-hmm. years. I know you both were at the recent town hall with yes. the Christian chamber that put that on. That yes. was a great event. It was a excellent, excellent. Uh, we enjoyed it thoroughly. And I was observing the crowd, but also her, how we were able to listen attentively 
to what was being said. And so you could say, wait a minute, we're not alone. No, we're not. No, I mean, nine people sitting in a semicircle in the front. Uh, kudos to Crystal Parker for putting oh, all of that yes. together and having that idea and uh, to hear from all of you. Uh, again, some were U.S. Congress candidates, yes. some state uh, House candidates. Uh, Corey was Corey there. Mills Corey was there. Mills yes, was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know you and uh, he are... Uh, would would really be a one-two punch if you guys <laughs> both get in. We plan to do that. Oh yeah, well that's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome to see what happens. But uh, it's it's really wonderful to hear these things from you. I think everything about you, sir, your background, your family, obviously, their spiritual kind of tenor is was passed down into you, and just the wonderful good old fashioned wisdom mm. that your dad gave you on that story about if. If you don't want to be behind a mule, stay in school. You know, I wonder how many people in today's young, young people group even understand what a mule is <laughs> and how hard work, what yeah. it is that you did on that farm. Yeah, it was hard as a kid. And, you know, you don't you have to plow the field and keep it straight and don't look behind. That goes back to what General yeah. uh, Chappie James said. Stop looking behind because if you mess up that field, that's right. you're going to ruin the crop. And then you're going to get something that you don't like. And that's a pop at that Uh, belt. (laughs) Keep the furrows straight, my friend. My uh, guest today is Calvin Wimbish. Colonel Wimbish will be back with me in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com A fun chat today with a man that I truly respect and met him again at the Florida uh, Family Policy Council banquet. His name is Calvin Wimbish, a colonel, a Green Beret, a believer, a constitutionalist, a corporate leader, an educator, a man who loves this country and has uh, put that statement where really, where his heart is, where his life is. A lot of people don't realize what it takes to become one of these special ops men like a Green Beret, but you went through what I can't even imagine and uh, what an honor that had to be for you to get on the other side of all that hard work. It's not easy to get in, and it's definitely hard to stay in. And the trials and tribulations that I thought I had endured before then with the 82nd Airborne didn't even stand a, a, a chance with what I had to go through to become a Green Beret, going through all the training, uh, the mental, emotional, physical mm-hmm. challenges, uh, realizing that you could go beyond what your body say you can't. It's mental. And just like I said, we all have the power to choose to go forth or not, give up or give in or stay in. And I, I worked through it and got my certification as a Green Beret and uh, started to do all the things that I chose to do under a gentleman who's uh, since passed, uh, General um, Emerson, 
Hank Emerson, the gunfighter, was his nickname mm-hmm. in, in the Vietnam era. And uh, I was with the fifth group, and uh, which was then at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And they brought me in, and I was in the headquarters initially. Then he put me down to Charlie uh, Company, 1st uh, Battalion. And uh, so I was all set, ready to go, and was going to go to Halo School and, and uh, had done all the things. He even made me his, his race relations and equal opportunity officer because a lot of Vietnam vets were coming back, Green Berets. We're used to being uh, doing, always doing, moving, shooting, training, operating, going in and helping people, the oppressor libra, which is on our crest, which means to liberate the oppressed. They, we had uh, people coming back and forth from all over the world. But in the barracks or uh, in the garrison, it was difficult. We needed action. And so there was in-house concerns. You know, people started looking at each other differently than when there was one, one color in the military, at least in the Army, was O.D. Green back in the day. But now, oh, you're black, or you're white, or you're this, or you're Jew. Or, mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff had to not occur within the special ops community. And uh, they sent me off to a, a course in race relations, equal opportunity, and I became the guy that people had to focus on, and I began to help doing that. And it was enjoyable to see the return on their investment in me and seeing people start to realize that beauty's only skin deep, ugliness is to the bone. <laughs> That's a phrase I said uh, when I was in radio back in country music days, and uh, I, I I heard that someplace yeah, and used that one time exactly. and got a lot of laughs out of that one. That's a good one. Ugly goes all the way to the bone. It. But here's the yeah. piece that I added. It's not the color of your skin, but the content of your character, because God created yeah. us in his image. Yeah, not in his color. And all of us in this room, in this group, got to look beyond that. And we said it enough times that it repetitively started to sink. And some of the divisiveness began to fade. And that was a good thing. Hmm. And uh, General Emerson uh, said, okay, young Green Beret, and the phone rang, and it was Department of the Army said, we got your orders to flight school, because I left college planning to be a green, uh, an mm-hmm. aviator. And that was delayed after Vietnam was starting to shut down. Three years later, um, they said, okay, we can, we can send you to flight school. I said, uh, okay. And I said, but um, I was also thinking about going to medical school. I had been, have finished the MCAT test and uh, had been accepted. I was going to go home and live with mom and pop in Maryland, go to University of Maryland. And, uh, but the colonel on the phone says, well, Lieutenant, I don't have all day to talk to you. You've got 15 seconds. You want this orders or not? I said, and I heard him on the phone go, five, four, three, two. Oh. Yes, sir, I'll take it. <laughs> So just I, like that. Just like that. Yeah. And I turned to the general later and said, General, I got orders to flight school. He said, You call him back and tell him, No, you're a Green Beret. You got to stay. I said, But don't you want the best of the best to fly the best of the best? That was the only way I could get him to say, You're trying to con me? I said, No, sir. I think that's going to be a good thing to have a Green Beret behind the controls when you have a helicopter pilot, which I was uh, planning to become, taking care of him. So mm-hmm. he says, You better finish in the top 2%, or I'll be watching. Well, I went to flight school, finished in the top 4%, and I thought I was, uh, I was learning French. I was going to be a French linguist. Je parle français, monsieur. Je suis étudié dans la classe pour cinq ans. There's too many things about you, sir, that I just... <laughs> How do you do it? I don't, I don't know. I don't it just that. God just kept putting it, and he wound up sending me not to Europe, but to Korea. Hmm. I said, that's not French. Well, at that time, General Emerson was a one-star when he, before I went to flight school. He got promoted to two and he became the second infantry division commander. Mm-hmm. And when he went, he demanded a DA, Department of the Army, IG inspection to sweep the division. And he released several leaders in all capacities down to company commanders. 
Well, here's Lieutenant Wimbish, who got promoted to Captain Wimbish in Korea, getting ready to fly, and the Sergeant Major comes out and to the helicopter and stuff. He says, shut it down, shut it down. He gives me the cross X, shut it down. Mm -hmm. Told the chief, you have the controls. Looked out the window, I said, what's the matter, sir? I don't know, you just gotta see the old man. He wants to see you now. And I ran over to the uh, headquarters and the battalion commander says, I don't know who you know, but you've only been out of flight school seven months. You owe the government four years and your orders have been changed to an infantry command. Get out of here. I said, no, they didn't. They said, yes, they did. And the general saw that he needed people like me who wore a tab, whether a Green Beret or Airborne Ranger, if you were a sniper, but you were a lieutenant above uh, and uh, E7 sergeant, first class and above. He was refurbishing and leadership within the division. Right. And he gave me the worst company. I remember standing in front of his aide. He says, what's the worst company we have in the division? And he looks in his book, says, A Company, 1st or 3rd, 1st or 38th Infantry, Camp Hovey. Send Wimbish there. I said, sir, you can't do that. I'm an aviator. He says, I'm a two-star. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> and the rest is history. I went there, took the worst company, made it one of the better companies. Uh, he tried to get me to extend for a little bit longer, but... I, it was time to go back to the U.S. Uh, from Korea and didn't think I was going to see him again, which we eventually wound up seeing each other later. But all of those occurrences brought me through the wickets of life to say you can do when you uh, believe that you can, and people often find a way to get you in the area that you didn't have because God is preparing you for something you can't handle right now. Mm -hmm. And I was an astronaut candidate in 1978. My paperwork got lost in the mill mysteriously, the same time as a fellow fraternity brother, I'm a, an Omega, uh, the Q's like Shaq, and uh, Ron McNair oh, was yes. from North Carolina. Yeah, Challenger AMT. guy. He blew up in the Challenger. Mm -hmm, right. My mother said, it wasn't your time. Isn't that something? But I could have been was, you. It could have been me. Yeah. But I kept, God, this is unfair. I want to be an astronaut. I was the best pilot there was, and, and it wasn't my time. I got frustrated. Went to, I left active duty initially at that point. I joined uh, corporate America, began a, a logistics management and uh, traffic, in a, a, what they call traffic control for the warehouse shipping and receiving, went with a major Fortune 100 company, got promoted, moved uh, from California to Texas and got promoted again. And all kind of, I got back in the guard and reserves because I missed flying so bad that my wife says, you're no good to me around the house. Go join the guard or reserve, but get out of here. So I worked my corporate job, raising a family, went to college to get my second, my first master's degree in information systems, computer technology, and uh, continued to elevate and learn what it was to take my transferable skills that you learn over time. You, just, you can't just acquire it. You know, ex experience has to be, uh, wisdom comes with experience. Mm -hmm, right. And you just can't teach it at a young age. You have to learn it as you go. So you have to go through the trials and tribulations. You got to be a doer. It. You got to be a doer. And that took me through all the steps that I needed to go from that to uh, stay in the aviation. Then went to another unit. As I moved, my corporate job would move me. The military would move me. And I moved from, uh, from Washington State to back to Texas, although I had already lived in Alabama and Georgia. And then I went from there to New Jersey, New Jersey to Indiana, Indiana to Florida in 92. What part of Indiana? I lived in Carmel, Indiana, right outside of Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. I was there initially with uh, the Target stores, not as the, in, the, in the stores that you see, but I did the logistics management at a million square foot uh, facility that supplied 256 uh, locations from that one hub into five states. And Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals 
came to my facility, saw how we automated it, used computer technology. They invited me over to lunch. And next thing you know, they stole me away from wow. to do their management within Man. Lilly. And that's when I got fell in love with uh, Lilly, uh, their diabetes research. I've uh, got relatives, a lot of blacks do have diabetes. And uh, that enabled me to see, wow, maybe I ought to get into marketing and sales. And so I transitioned from information systems, computer technology, human resource management into sales and marketing. They said, you have to go out to the field and carry the bag. I said, okay. So I came down to Palm Bay and relieved a young lady who had a baby. She was going to be gone for six months just to try it out because I was going to get promoted inside and stay in human resource information systems and uh, to a director. But I saw the freedom and the wealth of knowledge that came with talking to physicians who are there to help and treat. And it kind of set well with me mm-hmm. in terms of my Christian faith and belief that this is giving back the Hippocratic oath that doctors take. Same as the sworn oath that I took to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And uh, code, code of Conduct, uh, Article 6, never lie to you to steal or tolerate those who do. Those words resonated with me, and I said, mm-hmm. this is where I want to be. And I grew in that corporation until Merck Pharmaceuticals stole me from Lilly. <laughs> your, your story is one headhunter after you after uh, another one. I write in a book. Uh, it's uh, still to be published. Most of it's still in my head. And But opportunities like this to uh, allow people to know I have to walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah. I don't understand half of what has happened and why. Well, that was one of the questions I have for you. Yes, sir. Uh, It's one thing to be where you are right now, and you look back at your life, examples like being given that difficult uh, command where the company was not doing well, and and you obviously caused that company to turn around. And I'm hearing the same thing, and just in your corporate career as well, everywhere you go, it's like, that same thing happens. There's there's a turnaround, there's growth, there's prosperity. You don't get to stay there long because suddenly you're being shipped off to a new assignment yes. and it's almost like it starts all over again. Yeah. Were you aware then during the process of what was happening to you that you're able now to look back and see more clearly or, or was was it just the task at hand? I was aware, but not as fully aware as I am today. Because every step of the way, when something changes, why me, Lord? Why now? And I prayed. I said, Lord, is this the right thing? Do I accept the promotion? Do I accept the uh, transition from one company to another? Do I uh, allow the uh, opportunity to take uh, and hold of people who are seem to be lost but needed to be, like in the old uh, TV series, Rawhide, mm-hmm. you know, where you ride the skirts of them and kind of hurt them back down, like stay on mission, stay on focus. Um, having my mom who... And dad, who always said, you know, God is your center, no matter what distractions you may have, no matter which uh, way that they try to pull you left and right. If you come back to center in Christ, you can may not understand, but you can overachieve those barriers, those hurdles, those pitfalls that will try to pull you in. Like I learned on a farm when dad used to carry us down as kids and I was six through nine and maybe 10 and they would all make us do learn the chores of the, of the field. Get up in the morning at four o'clock during the summer. As soon as school ended in June, we were back and we were on our uncle's farm and stayed there all summer. And you get up, you get the mules out, you hook them up, you get the cows out. The girls go uh, milk the cows, and then they churn the the, the buttermilk. Mm-hmm. But aunt was auntie was uh, fixing the food and the smell and aroma of the cured bacon and ham and. Breakfast never breakfast tasted never any t- better, buddy. Better. It was free. <laughs> but you worked all summer 
And my dad said, if you don't want to be a fool, if you don't want to stay behind a mule, don't be a fool. Stay in school. And every year I kept thinking, I don't like being behind that mule. I didn't like to have to go pick the corn or tobacco in Danville, Virginia. And when the opportunity came, I got myself a paper route. <laughs> and uh, by the time I was 10, which I, they weren't supposed to take you till you were 11 and a half or 12. But I convinced them to carry a gentleman that I would, uh, be, I could do the job. So he hired me at 10. And when dad said, okay, kids, let's get in the car and let's go on down. I said, no, pop, I, I got, I got responsibilities now. She better get in the car, boy. I said, no, sir, I got a paper route. I've got 125 customers that depend on me. Oh, so you got decided you want to, did not want to be behind that mule. Yes, sir. And that bounced me forward in terms of being accountable, responsible, put together a plan, have an action plan that works. Don't look at just today, but what about tomorrow and, mm-hmm. and the next day? That's awesome. Which converts to looking out for the generations and, the, and your children's children, their children's children generation. So it, it, kept, it kept ringing in my soul. And so, yes, I, there were times I said, I don't know why this is happening, but okay, Lord, if this is what my mind and you in my mind mm-hmm. said I need to do, I will follow. Mm. And I took up the banner and uh, though it was frustrating to move my family 14 times, and I've been married to my lovely wife, Susie, uh, for 46 years now. And when we got married, uh, there was, we, we've had many of the issues that are rising up again with racism and this and that. And she's Oriental, she's um, a mixed Korean and German and, and Hawaiian. And of course, my family's got a mixture of everything in the bloodline. But at the end of the day, um, I'd like to say my kids are combo kids. You know? <laughs> we're a combination of God and we're creating his image. That's and, right. Uh, we had to walk through a lot of the hurdles, uh, the ugliness of people looking at us oddly. But I said, you're with me and I'm with you. You know, you have to keep the faith that we can see through. And God has kept us uh, together. It hasn't been easy, but uh, we're strong in our faith and we're going to move forward. So I'm looking forward to the next 46 mm-hmm. years. I know you both were at the recent town hall with yes. the Christian chamber that put that on. That yes. was a great event. It was a excellent, excellent. Uh, we enjoyed it thoroughly and I was observing the crowd, but also her, how we were able to listen attentively to what was being said. And so you could say, wait a minute, we're not alone. No, we're not. No, I mean, nine people sitting in a semicircle in the front. Uh, kudos to Crystal Parker for putting oh, all of that yes. together and having that idea and uh, to hear from all of you. Uh, again, some were U.S. Congress candidates, yes. some state uh, House candidates, uh, Corey was Corey there. Mills Corey there. Mills yes, was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know you and uh, he are uh, would would really be a one two punch <laughs> if you guys are, both get in. We plan to do that. Oh yeah, well Along that's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome to see what happens. But uh, it's it's really wonderful to hear these things from you. I think everything about you, sir, your background, your family, obviously, their spiritual kind of tenor is was passed down into you. And just the wonderful, good old-fashioned wisdom mm. that your dad gave you on that story about if if you don't want to be behind a mule, stay in school. <laughs> you know, I wonder how many people in today's young young people group even understand what a mule is, <laughs> and how hard work what yeah. it is that you did on that farm. Yeah, it was hard as a kid, and you know, you don't you have to plow the field and keep it straight, and don't look behind. That goes back to what General yeah. uh, Chappie James said: "Stop looking behind, because if you mess up that field, that's right, going to ruin the." crop and then you're going to get something that you don't like and that's a pop at that 
uh, belt. <laughs> Keep the furrows straight, my friend. My uh, guest today is Calvin Wimbish. Colonel Wimbish will be back with me in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407 407- 965-4166 now or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. Here we go for segment three with me, Colonel Calvin Wimbish. He is running for the District 10 U.S. Congress seat and he made it through what was a very tough fault and a very crowded field in the primary, and he is now going to be facing a Democratic uh, candidate in the general election in November. This uh, district was once held by uh, somebody else, Val Demings, Mm -hmm. who is now running against Marco Rubio. And so you're up against uh, the person that took, uh, you know, what what is your... Well, there were 10 on the Democratic side initially, like there was 10 of us. Only six Republicans made it through the the eye of the needle, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were 10. And out of nowhere came this young man named uh, Maxwell Frost. And uh, he actually overcame uh, through funding that uh, when you look at uh, what has been allowed under FEC regulations, a lot of funding came from Act Blue, which is uh, under source, if you dig deeper, and people can, uh, to where are these little donations of 200, 200, 250, and then there's some massive donations that came through Act Blue from what I refer to as the BSGS. Now, people don't think BS means what you're thinking. Bernie Sanders and the George Soros, mm-hmm. that's what the BSGS but I could add Elizabeth Warren, I could ask Hillary yeah. Clinton, you can go down a list, and, and Nancy Pelosi and others who really wanted to fund and set up someone, to me, very much like uh, Obama was set up years ago when he was a young man about the same age to try to make him the next generation of Obama. Mm-hmm. That's what I see in this person. And he actually won the Democratic uh, pull-through to be the candidate. I think he only had like 34% of the vote, but... Uh, Senator and Pastor uh, Bracey, I had thought was going to be the person that I would have to engage mm-hmm. in debate going around. But now. he lost. He lost. And so did everyone else from Corinne Brown uh, to um, uh, Pastor Gray. Uh, you had uh, uh, Alan uh, Grayson who mm-hmm. came back That's in. Right. Corinne Brown. That's right. He'd been, uh, he'd been in there before. There was a, quite a few in that group, but I wasn't worried about any of them 
in particular this young man, because when I went to his website and what he's pronouncing and what's he want, what he wants to uh, propose, it's totally anti-Christ-like in his, his initiatives. Uh, he's trying to destroy what our Judeo-Christian nation founders created. This, this constitution was built on the Bible. Mm-hmm. The, 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 uh, both the Declaration of Independence and the articles uh, that came out of it uh, we're all created in a line with the, the teachings that we all know from the cover to cover, all 66 books of the Bible. So how do they apply that when they had people who were under distress that they couldn't even practice their religion freely? It was an initiative to come to America. And then once they created the foundation, though the Constitution did not seem to include people who were enslaved here, the blacks who came here, but I saw something on uh, one of the uh, national newscasts where a lady was uh, commenting about how did the slaves even get here in the first place? Because sometimes people hate to see history as it is, but who started the process? Who got them to the beaches and the shores where the ships Mm -hmm. would pick them up, where the ships would take them to the country where they were enslaved? And sometimes our own people did what it is. Tribal fights have been going on in every group, blacks, Asian, uh, Far Easterners, you name it. Every culture has had that. And once I took your land, I took over your, your properties and your, and your women and the men, we don't need you. Let's enslave you. And this is a, just another occurrence in cycle of life. It happened with the Israelites. We know that. And it just continues to re, re, repeat itself. So when I, I looked at all of those options that, that had occurred, how do we get to where we are? Frederick Douglass, a slave himself who escaped from Chesapeake, uh, where he grew up, and I grew up in Baltimore, and all of us kids in Baltimore mm-hmm. learned back then. They don't even teach it hardly at all in any schools. Civics is kind of like fell off the shelf. Oh, yeah, it's it's not being taught. American it's, government, history, not being it's taught. Not ta- and the, the totality of history, you don't have to come up with all these extra ways of trying to explain the past. It was already there, but those who created the books from which to read, who govern, many of them are from the party that I'm opposed to mm-hmm. because they wanted to keep to create this shadow that you don't have a way, you don't have a will. Well, we knew after the Civil War when even Frederick Douglass had his two sons in the army, uh, um, Union Army, they could have been killed, but he knew it was the right thing to do for those who were still enslaved in the South and other places. We had the Underground Road, Railroad. We had great people like Sojourner Truth. And we had uh, you know Bethune-Cookman. We, we could go on and on about all of those who m- made sure, but when Frederick was able to go into the presidential office and sit with uh, Abraham Lincoln and help figure out ways he could get more blacks who were free or those who would be willing like him to escape from slavery, to join the Union Army, to help those who were still enslaved to realize that the light of opportunity in a dark tunnel wasn't the slave master coming at you, but it was a light of opportunity pulling you through. Mm. And that, when I read his story, when I read his life, I said, wow. We can do the same thing. Fast forward, Martin Luther King was saying the same thing. People don't want to accept that he was as much a conservative as I am. If they don't want to label him as a Republican, so be it. But in my heart and mind, as Alvina King is, I believe he was Mm -hmm. as much a Republican and a conservative Mm -hmm. and a constitutionalist because he saw the fallacies in the laws that created the dichotomy that kept the KKK going, that kept us within our own culture and our own race divided. But we can overcome. As he said, when, when he, he, his vision was when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, can join hands together. I mean, he was talking the truth about what we ought to be doing now. When I look at my hand, I think about 
the fingers when you separate them. That's divisiveness. And you can't scoop water out of the, out of the, the creek or off the stream if your hands are open and divided and it's flat. And that's where we are, open and divided, because it's my way and my way, but no one wants to come together. When you scoop, you, you close your hands, your fingers. With one hand, you can get a little bit, and you have to go a couple of times. But when you bring them together, how much more? And that's America. we got to come together. Let's get off of this. This It's all about me. No, it's not all about you. It's about all of us, and it's about the generations that are standing and saying, what are you doing, Grandpa? Mm-hmm. What are you doing, Mom? Why aren't you voting? It's not my problem. No, it is your problem because many people who don't vote, and I re- uh, really want people to get out and register and vote, they want, they're the first to complain everything is bad. Oh, I don't like the, the taxes. I don't like the laws. I don't like, but did you vote? No. Oh, so you want to say in the outcome, but you had nothing to do with the input to make what you would like to be mm-hmm. effective and honest and men and women of integrity to go and represent you in Congress. So you don't have much to say about the outcome, but people are willing to put their lives at risk, whether it's on the battlefield, out in the war, whether it's a policeman, whether it's a first responder, or whether it's a senator or a congressman right. or a legislator in the state or the governor. But yet you don't want to support the effort that they're trying to say is, I'm willing to raise my hand and step up and be your advocate, and I'll listen to what you say, and I will take it to the office that you're elected me to, and I will do my honored best, go back to my my oath of office, to not lie, cheat, or steal, and do the right things right, not for me, and don't say, oh, vote for me again, I'll give it to you the second time around, or the third time, or 40 years mm-hmm. later, like we saw with the president in the House and Senate, and yet you don't deliver. Mm-hmm. Rhetoric, anybody can do that. Opinions, we all have that. We've got the same body shell, so we know what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, But we got to know, where's the commitment? Where's the honor? Where's the integrity? There's seven army values that I live by, and integrity is like the umbrella. I say, if you don't have integrity doing what's expected of you when others aren't looking, where are you? You don't have true honor. You don't have respect. You don't have selfless service. You don't have the ability to respect others, people's wishes. You're not willing to, to go into harm's way when it needs to count. If a policeman or even a father, if you're willing to, to stop someone from hurting your child or your family, take a bullet if need be. Mm-hmm. That's defending your rights. Christ was willing to take bullets for us, and we didn't appreciate them. We mean back then, and sometimes we right now still don't. Mm-hmm. But yet, you want someone to do it. And I say, wow, if your house is on fire or somebody's about ready to hurt your child or, or rape your, your daughter or your wife, and you need help, who are you going to call the Ghostbusters? I don't think so. I don't think so. You want They're someone else's help. son or daughter yeah. to step up. I've said, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? That has been my spiritual guidance. Somebody has to do it. Well, Lord, send me. And that's where I'm looking at right now. Well, Lord, I've never been a politician, and I don't want to be a politician by definition as to what they are today. I want to be someone who can legislate, communicate, educate, not divide, bring together, create and write and support law, law and order, uh, prevents chaos. Mm-hmm. And I'll use another phrase from the Bible, I'm rendered unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but unto Christ. It will be, if it's my life, and I'll do that. But we have to come together and realize there's a foundation for peace, but we, there's too many who now have the control to keep that from really resonating and rising to the surface like baking a cake. Mm-hmm. If you don't put the right ingredients in there, the right amount of yeast, 
your cake is not going to rise. Let me ask you a question about voter integrity. Oh, yes. How do you feel things are in Florida right now? It's getting better, but it could, it could, be, it could have been better controlled throughout. The Governor DeSantis, who I really honor and respect for what he's pushed and what the House and Senate legislators have done to create laws in the state, helps protect the right of your vote. What you put in should be what comes out, mm-hmm. not have it uh, change mysteriously. And there are ev- there is evidence that when, the, as Paul Harvey used to say, and now the rest of the story, when what has not been revealed to the community as to how votes were twisted and turned throughout the system, integrity must be there. We need to have not only poll workers, but poll watchers out there and making sure that when a vote goes in, nothing has changed, nothing is modified whether electronically or by, you know, back in the day with the hanging chads, you know, I'd rather see paper than some of the electronics because being a person who knows uh, means of which you can compromise uh, electronics things, mm-hmm. you can do it right now. Uh, you can put a bug on anything before it's even out the door to manufacturer. And if they have a bug that can be controlled uh, remotely, they can change to manipulate the algorithm to this point that where you think you had 10, you got one. And that's vote is one for you and 10 for the other person. Wow. We can't have that uh, 2,000 mules reveal how people were dumping mm-hmm. votes. Dinesh and they were D'Souza. Going, that that yeah. was the, one of the greatest uh, ways of demonstrating it is real. But as long as they can conceal from the public, we are duped and believing, oh, everything is fine. Mm. Wrong. And people, uh, ballot harvesting, that happens. Integrity must be the foundation to save our nation. And I believe we're headed that way. We've got the task force that uh, uh, busted those uh, dozen uh, once the governor had set it up. And they're watching. And I need the people who really care for them to sign up now, become a poll watcher, a poll worker, get down to the supervisor elections office and everywhere to make sure no one tries to undermine your vote. I want people to vote. Uh, it doesn't, irrespective of whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or nonpartisan, not, not affiliated. We all are feeling the pain with no gain. We're all feeling the roughness of what our cost of living has gotten to. You can't decide, do I put gas in my tank to go to work? Do I ride the bus? It takes five times more time to get to work. And then do I leave my children abandoned because they don't have the right shoes or clothes or food mm-hmm. on the table? Yeah. This These are the a, kind of deci- decisions so, that people are having to make. It's sad. It and, really is sad. And that's the core. Every, every family is telling me, if I can't take care of my family, family first. Yeah. And faith can, faith gets you motivated, but you still have to, man has to work to eat. Bible says that too. That's right. Colonel Calvin Wimbish, give us your website, how people can get in touch with you. Absolutely. I want people to go to votecal, that's spelled C-A-L, votecal2022.org. You can go there, you can contribute, you can sign up, you can be a part of my team. I need volunteers to go out and we need to knock on doors out there. In your community, in your precinct, Look where your precinct is. Look at the new laydown of the the district map that went into effect on April the 22nd and find out where you are. Make sure you get your registration so you don't wind up going to the wrong precinct Mm -hmm. on Voters Day. But if you go to the website, it'll explain me. I have a blog out there. It'll explain my uh, commitment. I call it contract with Orange County. And it's I've already signed it. I'm ready to seal the deal. I'm going to do my honored breast to uphold my pledge to the community that I will give them what they expect. And when I come back for town halls every week that I can or every other week, let's have one. All right. 
Colonel Calvin Wimbish, it's been a great honor to have you here. Thank you for being with me. Friends, it's a joy to have you once again on my program. We'll see you next time right here on the Shepherd Radio Network. <music>